This episode of the Boonie Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by the Reset Renew Release Retreat for Women. As 2017 is winding down, many of us are beginning to set plans for 2018. And what a better way than to participate in this retreat with workshops to help you prepare and focus to make 2018 your best year yet. Boonie Breakdown listeners get to book this fantastic experience with a reduced deposit rate. For more details, head to ResetRenewRelease2018.com now. Hi guys, it's your girl Boonie and you're listening to episode 29 of the Boonie Breakdown podcast where we sometimes cry, we always laugh, we can get a bit ratchet, but we are forever going to break it down. Today with me, I have Gigi Renee of All the Many Layers, and she's a writer and a speaker who is passionate about creative self-discovery. And I was thinking back over our conversation, trying to think like, what could I pinpoint as the theme? And I think I might say like, it's carriage. Like, whether we're talking about how do you leave your nine to five to pursue your passion, or chopping off all your hair in a big chop. <laughs> but it always takes some courage. And um, we had a really great conversation. So I can't wait for you guys to dig into this in a little bit. Uh, but first, it is time for Boonie's Pick of the Week. And um, I I know people have been debating what the song of the summer was. And I was going to say off jump, you know, it was totally going to be... Um, uh, wild thoughts with Rihanna and Khaled, but nah, my pick of the week, Cardi B, that bitch. I'm just so happy for her. Um, it's nice to see her win. I am actually rooting for her that she can knock fucking uh, Taylor Swift out of the number one spot on the Billboard, so she can have a number one Billboard hit. Bodak Yellow is that shit. I mean, I just can't think of a song this summer that had such a run, had such great appeal besides Bodak Yellow. Like, and my favorite part of the song is like the first 10 seconds when she's like, she say she gonna do what a who? Let's find out and see. Like, that's my shit. (laughs) And um, if you're still hating on the song, I don't know how you can hate on it. I mean, for Christ's sakes. Janet Jackson incorporated Bodak Yellow into her tour now that she's on tour. So I think it's safe to say Cardi B won Summer 17. Uh, She might have won 2017. Her glow up, like, I'm just really happy for her. And so it's nice to see her win. So she's my motherfucking pick of the week because it's not rare. I mean, it is rare that many people can outshine my queen Rihanna. But she did at the diamond ball. Like I thought she looked like a princess. Like she looked so amazing. Um, so yeah, Cardi B is out here winning. So kudos to her. Um, just some housekeeping stuff guys, you know, you guys are doing a bomb ass job in letting people know that you love the podcast. So while you are listening, feel free to use the hashtags, the Boonie Breakdown, hashtag pod and P-O-D-I-N. Uh, share your quotables, shit that you think is insane. Uh, I don't think it's too much insane stuff on this episode. But yeah, always feel free to share it, whether it's Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And you know what I've been loving? Like while you guys are listening you take a screenshot on your phone that you're listening and you've been putting it in your Instagram stories and that's a great way to share about the episodes and the podcast without having it forever linger on your pages and you just always make sure you tag us if it's on Instagram stories at the Boonie Breakdown if it's on Facebook you can tag at the Boonie Breakdown if it's on Twitter at Boonie Breakdown. Uh, so just remember, follow us on all of those places if you would like or one. I appreciate it. If you do, be sure to use a link. Um, if you're sharing it on Facebook or Twitter, that would be great to let people easily find the podcast. But that is it, guys. So let's get ready to break it down. Alright guys, it's Boonie, and for today's guest I have with me, 
Gigi from All the Many Layers. So welcome to the Boonie Breakdown. Hey, thank you for having me. (laughs) So looking forward to our discussion. Um, If you guys are not familiar with Gigi, she uh, has the site All the Many Layers, and she's a a writer and a speaker, and she's just really passionate about self-discovery and expression. And um, I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have. So, yay. Yay. I'm excited to be here. So just to get started, um, I think I just want to like dive right into it with you because mm-hmm. I feel like we just have a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you, so many people nowadays have hustles and you know, have so many things that they do outside of their nine to five that they're more passionate about. And what I love about your story is that you walked away from your nine to five to pursue this. So can you kind of talk about that transition and, and why, like, yeah, let's talk about the transition first. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so before I started writing for a living, I worked in financial services and I was really, I had really only been with one company my whole adult life. Um, after I graduated from college, I worked, you know, I just went into a great company and moved around within that company a lot. And I, from the outside looking in, I probably looked like I was doing very well. I had, I worked for a great company. I had a great job. I was able to, you know, support, take care of my growing family because I kept having kids every four years (laughs) And, and everything looked great. But on the inside, I felt like life wasn't as fulfilling for me as I had always thought it would be. I thought going to college and getting a good job would make me happy, would make me feel successful and make me feel fulfilled. And having three healthy, beautiful children and a loving relationship, even with all these things that I felt so blessed with, I still felt like, uh, like I'm not really living. I'm just kind of going through the motions and kind of mm-hmm. like in, in survival mode, like because I was like living this life that didn't really feel natural to me. But we get so used to doing that that we just think, oh, that's just how it is. That's just what you do. You know, that's just what you do. So um, I started, you know, looking for ways to just sort of searching for that missing thing. And I started trying a lot of different things. And I won't drag you through the list of things that I tried. But eventually I got to a point where um, I was going to therapy and my therapist kept saying, you know, writing keeps coming up as something that you did as a child that was an outlet for you. How come you don't write anymore? So I resisted it at first, (laughs) but really it was the timing. Um, I think Adrian had a lot to do with it because right around the time that I joined Facebook and I was, you know, growing my relaxer out of my hair. So I was looking at blogs for ideas for how to do my hair. And I discovered blogging because I was one of those people who would be on Facebook writing too much. (laughs) about, you know, writing like essays. (laughs) And somebody said, you need to start a blog. (laughs) That's so funny because you're one of those people who you always have to click see more for the rest of your status. (laughs) Yes. I was doing that on my personal page, like on Facebook, you know, and this was in like 2009. So anyway, fast forward, um, you know, I'm blogging and going through that whole journey of just, you know, first it started off as a hobby, but then I started really like feeling like I could do more with it and it could become that elusive side hustle that I had always really wanted, but never stuck with. And in 2012, I started blogging for Carol's daughter's um, transitioning blog. And I was, that was my first time getting paid for it. And I was like, whoa, I'm getting a check for writing. This is crazy, (laughs) you know? And that was in 2012. And by mid-2013, I had quit my job. And I think that that transition was really just during that year and a half that I was writing for them. And I started figuring out ways where I could create income with my writing. I just built confidence during that time. And I built up like this, this like, you know what, I just, it's kind of like now or never. If I'm going to try this, I got to do it now. And my job wasn't being flexible with me about like, maybe some type of alternative arrangement. Maybe I could work from home. I wasn't getting any flexibility. I've been working there for 12 years, but they were like, nope, we can't do nothing for you. So I I got, you know, the thumbs up and the support from my, from my partner and my family. And I was like, in 
July 2013, I was like, that's it. And you and walked, walked away. And I walked away. Yeah. I gave them a lot of notice and we talked it out. And I said, you know what? This is just, I don't even have a, a solid plan, but this is just something I need to do for myself at this time I, of my life. You know? That's so amazing. And I was talking to a friend actually today during our commute. And I was saying, you know, when I was younger, I said, like, you know, you always play that with, you know, the Powerball was just an obscene amount of money recently and someone yeah. won. Yeah. And you play like, oh, the what if I win game. And I used <laughs> to say, you know, five million dollars. You know, if I won five million dollars, then I'm, you know, fuck that job. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, that's the number. It has to be this amount. <laughs> yeah, but now I notice, like, you know. Now it's gotten not e- not that it's a low number, but now I'm like, you know, if I could win enough mm-hmm. or if I was able to make enough that would just pay off my debt, mm-hmm. that's it. And I was like, you know, we I feel like our number keeps shrinking. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's not that's even so worth true. it. It's just like, mm-hmm. I just want freedom. And I think it's dope because so many people would love to just, I guess not even just have the confidence to, not to just walk away, but it really is having a sense of confidence in yourself. Yeah. You can make this life happen that you mm-hmm. want for yourself. Yeah, that's so true. And and for me, it was very spiritual as well. Like I had been having issues with anxiety, really like most of my, I wouldn't say in my early twenties, because I was probably always like too high or drunk to even like feel <laughs> <laughs> the anxiety. Like, I think that's really how I self-medicated to be honest with you. But as I started getting older and calming down and I had kids, I had, so I was having like severe anxiety issues. And I feel like my question that made me question my faith. And it was almost like all this writing I was doing was building me up to this, like, okay, you got to walk your talk. Like you're speaking all this life into people and, you know, saying that you've got to, you know, you will feel better emotionally and physically and everything if you live authentically and if you, you know, make sure that you're not playing a role or wearing a mask every day. And I was saying all this stuff, but I wasn't (laughs) all the way living it. You know, I was still kind of wearing my own mask and I was still living a life that didn't feel like I knew I was being called to do something different, but I was afraid. So all of this stuff, like this, you know, anxiety and questioning my faith and just like writing constantly, like building that conviction led up to me saying, you know what, I have to try this out. Like, I just, I have to. And it was like a question of like my faith. I was like, I felt like I was being called to like, okay, you know, I'm saying all this stuff and I'm saying, I believe in this, this voice inside of me. So I got to sh- like, take that action to show that I really believe, you know? Yeah. So that's and what, I, you know. I just think it's so dope. And, um, I think th- the part that you really just took the action and mm-hmm. I even think it was kind of generous that you worked out a plan with your employer. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did because like, I had been there for a long time and I wanted to leave on good terms. So if things didn't work out, I could have that like, <laughs> positive, you know, exit so I could potentially come back if I needed to, you know? And so what was it like that first day? Like, okay, not the day you left, mm-hmm. but maybe if, like if you left on Friday, like that Monday when you woke up and you're like, oh my God, I don't have to go in there. Like, what did that feel like? It was weird. It was very weird. And it was weird for a long time, Adrian. It was like, I mean, I did, I don't know what I expected, but I was all over the place and I didn't have any structure really. Mm-hmm. And it was summertime and, you know, I have kids, so it was summertime. And so it's already a looser structure in the summertime with that environment. But I felt like I was really focused on at the time I was writing a book and I was really focused on finishing that book. So that is kind of where I said, every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to work on this book. And I, and that was probably of, of all the books I've published, that was the quickest one because I wasn't doing anything else really. I I was blogging and I was working on that book, but just the feeling of waking up and knowing that I could design my day and I had so much freedom that it almost became like a problem over time because I had been so structured at work for so long I just felt like I wanted to go in the complete opposite and I wanted to be all over the place mm-hmm. but that did not work for me because <laughs> you gotta have some structure even if you're kind of a whimsical person like I am like kind of a free spirit you have to have some kind of structure and I had to discover that for myself like what does that look like because I was all 
over the place and I didn't know, I didn't have a clear plan or strategy of how I was going to maintain once my little cushion was gone. Cause I had a cushion when I left, you know? Yeah. And when I, I didn't have a very defined plan of what I was going to do to make sure that I didn't have to tap into that cushion that I could just start really like living. Like it was none of that. I was just like going with the flow. But with all that said, it felt so good to just like be able to figure it out for myself. That felt really good. Yeah. I I just can't imagine how that, that level of freedom must feel. And so at what point, like did it like finally set in and you got into a groove and you just like hit the ground running from that point. Was it like ninety days or um, six months? <laughs> I would say probably like six months. Mm-hmm. And that was if I think about six months after that. That was right when I released my first book, and that was okay. a really good time because you know you're high off of creating this first project and. When you first release something like that, you get so much love and support from your supporters, you know, and there was a lot of energy around that. So that was a high time. Like, I felt like, yes, like I'm doing this thing that I said, you know, I'm doing it and this is what it feels like. And then probably a good three to four months after that, it was like a splat. Like, it was like, okay, now, (laughs) because like I told you, I didn't. I didn't look at my, I didn't do a, like a a business plan. I didn't do, you know, like a, oh, first quarter of this year, I'm going to do this. And second quarter, I didn't do any of that. I didn't plan ahead at all. I was riding completely on my emotions and my creativity and just going (laughs) off of that and thinking like, oh, everything is flowers and rainbows. And, you know, so if I felt really hard when after a few months and the book wasn't new anymore, I was like, okay, now what? Then you got to figure out you know, how do I keep going? What do I do now? You know, so it was a lot of that sort of up and down throughout like the next, let's see, it's been four years, like two, three years. There was a lot of that up and down, like, oh, one day it's like, oh, this is awesome. And the next day it's like, oh my God, like (laughs) give somebody, give me a job. Like, let me just go back to work. (laughs) Seriously, it's like up and down. But looking back at that, like first six months, Mm-hmm. what is like one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is like on the brink of betting on themselves and mm-hmm. walking away from their nine to five during that first six months, something that they should do. Yeah. Like, if, if, you know, look back at your time and it's mm-hmm. like, if someone had told me that if someone had only okay. told me that. Okay. So if someone had really told me, or if I had been conscientious enough, I was so busy taking like, marketing courses and like online, you know, strategy courses, things like that. What I really wish I had done is invested in like some business training Mm. on really like, like a checklist of things, which you can probably find on the internet, but I mean like more like a one-on-one, like somebody coaching me through it, like what, you know, what I need to do to separate. So I went from having a job and a side hustle to having this, this, freelance con like this freelance kind mm-hmm. of life where I didn't know how to separate my like I didn't know how to pay myself you know and separate my business money from you know all of that how to plan like okay is this the best way for me to distribute my books or would this save me money doing it this way to be more analytical and to just really think like a business person and to plan ahead and to make sure I'm saving that could like how to invest or save that cushion that I had and just Mm. all that boring stuff that I did not want to be bothered with at the time. (laughs) I would say from my experience, that would be my best advice, like have a plan. Like I'm all for like the whole, you know, trust yourself, take the leap. You don't have to have it all figured out. But if one thing you want to have figured out is like financially and just, um, tactically exactly what you're going to be doing like if you don't know when you quit make that the fit the thing you start working on day one what is the, what is the plan and how am I gonna make it you know check on myself and make adjustments to the plan as I go you know I really wouldn't recommend the whole flying carpet ride that I did <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> but also during that six months I would say while you're doing all of that 
be experimental, like try things. Like I get a lot of people will ask me like, well, how do I avoid this matter? How do I know? And I'm like, you have to, you have to experiment. You have to try. There's no avoiding that. You have to let yourself fail a little bit and just try yeah. things. I think those are good tips. Like, and like you, you just said, um, le- learning how to pay yourself. Like, mm-hmm. That's something that I probably would have totally <laughs> looked over as well. Like, oh, someone paid me $500. That $500 is mine. Not yeah. I might need to put yes. 300 back into my yes. business, but I can only have 200 to live on. <laughs> exactly. Like all of that, I had to learn the hard way, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to take it back to something you said. You said, you know, when you, before you took the leap, you were working, um, doing some freelance writing for mm-hmm. Curl's Daughter mm-hmm. and tra- their transitioning website, which I remember when you were doing this. <laughs> and um, at that point, I had already been well into my natural journey. Yeah. And um, you transitioned and mm-hmm. I did not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you chopped <laughs> I chopped and so you've done both now you've yes. done a big chop and you've transitioned mm-hmm. um would you say one choice is better than the other oh you know what no I wouldn't because I enjoyed both insp- I learned a lot from both experiences like on the one hand I would say big chopping is so freeing and empowering and just it's hard to and I heard women say that I've heard women say that for years but until I did it myself I was just like it's like a rush of just freedom um that I just I still haven't figured out a way to put into words but also transitioning slowly has its 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 highlights because when I did it that way it took me like three years to grow all that relaxer out of my hair um and there was something very like almost flirtatious about my new growth growing in. Like I just Ooh, gradually, I like, <laughs> like I just gradually fell in love with it. Like, wow, look at it. Like, go- like I was noticing my different textures and it was like really cool looking at, you know, the first, you know, four or five inches are wavy and curly and all different kinds of textures. And the rest is just kind of limply hanging there and seeing that contrast just really made me realize like, oh my God, I'm never relaxing my hair again. Like, why did I do that to all this life is coming out of my head and look at this limp stuff that's like (laughs) hanging down at the bottom. Like, why was I doing that? You know? So it's mm -hmm. crazy because you're saying that. And I I attempted to transition. (laughs) Um, I remember my day I got my last perm was April 14th, 2007. Mm-hmm. And I was going to transition. I'm like, oh yeah, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> and um, I think I lasted until September of 2007. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking for someone to like braid my hair that day. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find anyone. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't go to work looking like this. Like yeah. I had never, I just kept doing braids. I hadn't really dealt with my hair. Cause it's a lot. Yeah. And it was only four months of new growth. So it wasn't like it was a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And I walk into dreads and heads. I'll never forget it. And <laughs> you just told him to cut it off. I was like, yeah, I want to cut out all my perm. And they're all like, yeah, it's like a natural salon. So they're all like cheering. Like, yeah, she's doing it. And so then the girl is like washing my hair. And she's like, you, you sure? And she's like, you realize how much perm you got left? And I'm like, yeah, just do it. Like, take it away. And the girl puts me in the chair. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't do this. Like, I can't because you're going to regret it. And I'm like, well, now I really can't go to work like this. It's like Sunday afternoon. And so the owner of the salon comes out and she's like, you going to do this? And I'm like, no, I really want to do this. Mm-hmm. And she walks up and she grabs the scissors and she grabs like a chunk of my hair in the front of my head, front and center. And she just cut. She was like, one, two, three, cut. Oh, my God. <laughs> like tossed it into the floor. And it was like slow motion. Like I remember turning like following the hair as it's like dropping to the floor and I'm like oh my god and then I like almost had whiplash I remember just like turning back to the mirror and looking at myself like 
And then I was just like, can you please turn me away from the mirror? I don't <laughs> and each time she clipped, like I could hear the scissors. Mm-hmm. And then I would look on the floor and she was just throwing another patch of hair and throwing another patch of hair. And I'm like, <gasps> that had to like, be so I, surreal. It, I, I, like, I couldn't believe it. And I remember yeah. grabbing my phone and like taking a picture uh-huh. of the hair on the floor and I was like, went to go hand her $20. And she was like, oh, no, it's on the house. <laughs> and I walked out and I sit in my car and I pull down the visor and I open the mirror. <laughs> and you're just like looking. And I look and I burst into tears. Because I was like, oh, my God, what I'm so ugly. <laughs> like, I just thought I was so ugly. And it's crazy how, like, you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, wearing a mask. Like, yeah. It was really like someone took this mask off by yes. just cutting my hair. Yes, yes. You and see I, yourself so oh, openly. Because you can't hide you from You can't anything. hide anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And so uh, the, I want to say, like, that first big chop for me was very... <laughs> mm-hmm. Very <laughs> it, powerful. It was, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like, whoa. And I remember crying. And then immediately, because what do we do as humans? I needed validation that I'm not ugly. So I drove to my friend's house, and I'm like, Ashley! (laughs) Like, I just knocked on the door, and I remember her opening the door like, oh my god. (laughs) And in my head, I'm like, I look ugly. (laughs) Right, right. Yep, that's what you're seeing those girls for. Yeah, it's just like, it's such a... that one was like, I just it allowed me to have like an intimate look at me. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is that's perfect. That's exactly what it is, and you get it allows you to get comfortable with what you see and seeing yourself so exposed. Yes, in the mirror, especially because I know you have like a lot of hair, so I a can lot. imagine when you chopped, it was like, oh my god, like I can't hide from my from myself anymore. Because that's I how I felt. And that's what I wanted. When I did my big chop, it was just, it was less than a year ago. That's what I wanted. I, I was tired of, I've been hiding behind my hair for, for as long as I can remember. And I just felt like there's, in addition to that, there's other things I wanted to let go of. But that was like my way of like symbol, symbolically doing something physical to represent that letting go and just wanting to just be even more just myself and not be thinking about all oh, my skin and you know, I don't want, you know, like I always had self-consciousness yeah. about things like that and I wanted to be free of it. So I and totally it, get it. Yeah. And I, I totally developed this like um, slightly unhealthy obsession with earrings. Because... <laughs> <laughs> and I never really wore earrings before. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't get my ears pierced until after college. Um, so I didn't have, I probably had like, four pair of earrings before I big chopped. And now if I showed you my earring collection, mm-hmm. it is probably you'll be like, what? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> but then my second big chop, uh-huh. that was a completely different experience. And what triggered that? What triggered the second one? Um, that one was kind of like, a combination of things. I, I I laugh. It was kind of like a waiting to exhale moment where Bernie was just like, you know, went to her girl and was like, cut it off. Um, <laughs> so I had just kind of ended things with this guy. Uh-huh. And, and I'm like, you know, fuck him. <laughs> and um, and then it was just like a lot happening mm-hmm. in life too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I saw at that point I, I had cut my hair like inches but not dramatically mm-hmm. and so it was like what like eight years of growing my hair mm-hmm. um a lot of hair. yeah it was about like eight years mm-hmm. and I was just like you know I want something new mm-hmm. and no one thought I was gonna do it like you've been cutting your hair mm-hmm. <laughs> this time like as the person was cutting it I felt lighter and like every oh, time she yes. cut I felt lighter yep mm-hmm. and so I think with that experience I had the freeing like oh my god this felt so good yes yes that and that it's you know what I feel like it's something that could happen maybe once or twice more in my life I don't know you know like just when I want to feel 
lighter. Like I've always been so attached to having long hair and feeling like that that was like part of me. Like I wasn't pretty enough without it or I Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, good enough without it or special enough without it. And like now that I've cut it, I just feel like it opened up this whole new world. Like, oh my goodness, I can try so many different things now that I'm not afraid to cut it. Right. You know, like I can color it and I don't care if it if something goes wrong in my head. Oh, who cares? I'll just cut off the damage. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't care. Whereas before I was always like, no, I want to protect my hair because it's long and I'm not, you know, and now it's just like open up this whole new world and I just feel free to like not hide certain things before like I felt like I needed to before you know mm-hmm. it frees you up to put your energy in other places you know it frees you up so much and mm-hmm. I just look back like in that first year of me cutting so like mm-hmm. from like the end of 2015 to the end of 2016 mm-hmm. like I cut it all off and then I dyed it red and brown and then uh-huh. I like Oh, add in some platinum blonde tips. Oh, you know what? I'm really going to switch it up because I was trying to get lavender hair, but it didn't work. So now I have blue and white hair. (laughs) See, that's like a whole nother world of expression, you know? It was just so fun. And then it was like, all right, that blue and white hair is turning green because of the sun. So I'm going to rock this for a little bit. And all right, now I'm going to go back and do some brown with some blonde tips. Like it was just... And I was like, oh, my God, I did all of that in a year. <laughs> that was all in a year? <laughs> it was all in a year. <laughs> so I was going through some things, I think, in that year. But, I love um, it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so now I just kind of feel like, you know, I'm in this in-between place, another place of transition. I don't know if I want to – I think I want to grow it back. But then I see people like you with these really cute taper cuts again. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I do want to cut it again. I don't know. I don't know. I know. I imagine I'm going to go through the same thing. Like right now I'm loving the shortcut, but I, I, and I don't miss the long hair at all. Cause I don't want to be bothered with it. But like, I see women with like really long hair, like older women. And I'm like, oh, when I get like a little bit older, like maybe when I'm like 50, <laughs> which is only 10 years away from me, like, I might I might want to like just have that long like you know kind of salt and pepper like look going on so it's just fun to just now be free to do what you just let your kind of your hair reflect the transitions in your life and just let it flow like that you know I I love that part of the process and that we get to recreate ourselves that way you know I do too are you looking for a way to recreate and reimagine yourself in 2018 then I might have the event for you The Reset, Renew, Release Retreat is for women who are looking for a positive start to 2018. The retreat will have a life coach, financial expert, an author, and community builder who will all be hosting, empowering, and engaging workshops. During the weekend, there will be a vision board party for participants, and every morning we'll start with yoga and meditation on the beach. There's also going to be an incredible healing and release ceremony to rid yourself of anything that has been holding you back all these years. And because no queen can be together without having their coins in order, there's going to be a financial boot camp workshop. The entire weekend is dedicated to resetting the minds of women who plan to start 2018 with a bang. For more information, visit ResetRenewRelease2018.com. And as an amazing Boonie Breakdown listener, you have the chance to attend this amazing retreat with a discounted deposit rate. Starting now until September 30th, 2017, you can receive a reduced deposit of $125. On the website, ResetRenewRelease2018.com, you'll click register and you'll see a special link that says Boonie. That's it. So I hope you guys check it out if you're looking for a great start to your 2018. With you, with having a daughter, do you... Do you think that she realizes, like, the significance, not the significance, but I guess kind of, like, of you being able to make that choice with your hair? I don't know if they fully realize it as much as I want them to right now, but I know when they get older, they're going to look back and they're going to remember the things that I'm, like, constantly talking to them about (laughs) and trying to show them now. Because I told them, um, because I think all little girls, all little brown girls, 
go through a, a, a realizing that their hair texture is different than the other girls that they might see at school and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? So then they, you know, they go through this, well, how come my hair doesn't swing and my hair doesn't do this and that? And so early on, we have to really start just in, in investing in them, um, planting that seed to how beautiful their hair is and how many different things it can do and all that. So it's always se- felt like a blessing to me to be able to like wear my natural hair and like them to see that process and like see how I respond when people say negative things, positive things, whatever about my hair. You know, I want them to see like that it's a beautiful, positive thing and something to be proud of and not feel like you have to change. And even having the experience of having relaxed hair, like I've been through that experience too. So I can speak to that and just showing them that you can, you know, do all of these things with your hair without putting any type of relaxer in it. You can still wear it straight, blah, blah, blah. But the part that really like is powerful to me was when I cut it because right now both of my daughters are obsessed with long hair and they just like want their hair to grow and they want their hair to grow and they want it to be longer. And so they look at their mom who has like elbow length hair and I just woke up one day and chopped it all off. Like I, there was no warning. I just woke up one day and chopped it all off. And I told them like, I don't want you, I want to show you guys like mommy was feeling too attached to it. Like I needed it to make me feel beautiful and all this other stuff. And I wanted to let go of that. I don't want to have anything hanging over me or weighing me down like that. And they're just looking at me like, mommy, you cut all your hair. Oh. I want your hair back all your hair but over time and them just seeing how I've just like fallen in love with this short hair and how I rock it and I'm still mommy and I'm still beautiful and all this then it's like I feel like I'm really showing them even though right now they both are still pressed and want this like really long hair and want to wear their hair straight and all this stuff like I know that one day they're gonna like just remember that freedom and what I told them you know whenever it starts to I don't know when that's going to kick in but you know like when maybe like my the, the the teens maybe I don't know I'm always trying to predict when certain things are going to hit but like I know that they're going to come to realize that um their hair is a as a piece of expression for them and they don't have to yeah. feel defined by it or limited by it or or any of that you know I like that and it and it's you know I don't have children but like when I mentor and I look at the young ladies that I mentor and it's almost the same thing where it's like you know, this, this beauty standard that they're chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's shocking because most of the mentors on our committee or have natural hair in some form, whether they wear it straight or curly mm-hmm. or short or long. Mm-hmm. And I had one young lady who came to me because she's like, oh, I love you. You know, I love that you are natural. And my mom won't let me do this because... I'm supposed to have sh- long hair, mm. but she, her hair kept breaking um, from the relaxers. And so like she came over and I like gave her all these products that I wasn't using and like showed her how to do it. And um, for me, it was nice that I noticed kind of by the end of the year that she had stopped wearing the braids and the, okay. the, you know, the protective styles and was just rocking her own hair. And so, it's kind of like a difficult, I mean, the hair is the easiest way to teach that lesson of like yeah. creating balanced, confident young women. Yep. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's so, like, so attached to, to us and our consciousness, you know, a black girl. It's a, it's a personal thing with us, you know, our hair and how, yes. you know, like how we express ourselves with our hair is very, very tied to our inner just um con- like self-concept you know like how we think of ourselves it is and it, it, it's um I think even at a young age you know you always say like oh she got good hair yes <laughs> it starts so early right it starts so young yes that categorizing like that and like I'm really trying to at least in my household like keep the like not let some, some of those habits sink in too much like even just the use of the word nappy like you know, I told my significant other, like, I don't like it when he's just playing with them. But if he says something like, oh, you know, I see them naps in the bed, you know, like anything just like, <laughs> you know, he's he's just playing. But at the same time, I'm over here in his ear like you got to like if you're going to use the word, you got to use it in a positive way, because I don't want them to feel like that's 
something that they need to be a shit. You know what I mean? Like that's their hand. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, it's not that deep. But I'm like, I know it's not <laughs> that deep, but then like it kind of is because it is. You know? say <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you can't, we're just re, you know, I want to, ch- like if we want to change certain generational like habits and just, you know, negative self-talk and stuff, like we have to start changing it in our own homes, you know? So and it's it's just crazy the things that we pick up yeah. um, from past generations that you just don't even realize. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that learned behavior, yep. which then just becomes second nature. And whether it's toxic or unhealthy, you just it just becomes a part of you. Yes. And it just continues on and it gets passed down. It really does. And so like how are like are there any things that you picked up? This is getting a little personal, but mm-hmm. are there things that like you picked up from past generations? And you don't have to be like explicit, but like how are you stopping yourself? Like I know you mentioned like your significant other not mm-hmm. saying nappy to the kids. Like, but what are other ways that you're trying to pr- like break that cycle? You know, another cycle that well, I um another cycle that needs to be broken. In, in my family and just the way I was raised, the environments I was raised in is the woman sort of being this submissive, like, um, do everything and never really say, you know, not really speak her mind or be a voice in the in the home as much as the male, like the male dominance in the home and just, mm-hmm. you know, like he gets to just go to work and come home and that's and that's great, but then that's supposed to be like, so much that he can't do anything else. (laughs) Like that's something that like just a silence in all the women in in my family, not all the women, but a lot of the women in my family and in my home, there was this silence. Right. Um, Uh And I wanted to change that because I really kind of started off my life like that, you know, having, um, Mm. you know, being in, in this, from the outside, this like loving relationship and, you know, a, a growing family, but I was like screaming inside because I wasn't, I had never really fully shown up as myself in the relationship at all. Like I was playing this like, kind of like, I want to be who you want me to be kind of, you know, person. And I, and I really Mm. think I picked up a lot of that from just what I saw, like growing up, like you just, you look the part, you know, and you play along and you listen to what, you know, you just go along with what everybody expects you to do, whatever this, you know, this man tells you to do, even if it's not really who you are or really what you want for yourself. I just didn't have the confidence or really the, I didn't know, you know how when you're young and you don't know, you know how you feel, but you don't know if you're supposed to feel that way or like, yeah. you don't know if that's right or not. So instead of making just like a bold move or like, or being, or, or being true to yourself, you kind of just go with the flow because you don't know any better. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to go with, it's easier to just go with what this man tells me to do. And I was very much like that at a, at a young age. And that's a cycle that I had to realize and discover in myself and put a stop to because that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I kind of have examples of that same um, thing. And it, it's so weird because like going to therapy mm-hmm. um, and you know, you talk these things out with your therapist and it's like these little insignificant things mm-hmm. that you think are insignificant. Right. <laughs> and they're not. And then it's, yeah. yeah. They connect and then there's patterns and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you just think that's, you know, mm-hmm. the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. And it just distorts your whole it does. <laughs> reality. It does. And it makes you feel like, well, if I'm outside of this standard or this 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 familiar thing that I just thought was the way it was, if I'm if I step outside of that, then what does that make me or what does that, you know, mm-hmm. I just think that a lot of growing up and a lot of, like you said, trying to change some of those just generational like bad habits is is being true to yourself and, and allowing yourself to question, like, am I doing this because it feels right to me and it feels like how I really genuinely like feel inside, or am I just doing this because that's what I've always been taught. That's what, what I've always done is what I've always been taught to do. I'm sure it's a toll to do. Yeah. 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 No, it and, doesn't have to be that way at all. And it's like, even things like with parenting, like, 
you know, I keep thinking like if I ever do do become a mom, like mm-hmm. what kind of parent will I be? And like mm-hmm. what are some of the things that <laughs> I always say like, oh my God, when I have kids, I would never do that like how my mom did it or like right. how my granny did it. I would it. do a complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I'm so curious about how does that play out? Because we always see, you know, those um you know, the internet is so great at doing these memes and mm-hmm. all this stuff that is so hilarious. And it was one yesterday that a friend shared and it was like, um, black parents don't never let you leave the house unless you clean up something. <laughs> <laughs> and I like burst into laughter because I was like, oh my God, like I can hear someone saying, you ain't leaving my house till you clean up your goddamn room. And it's like, what? <laughs> That is so true. That is so true. I'm and I am just like that. I'm yeah, and just it's like, like that. and I and I say it like, oh my god, I would never do my children like that. But I'm pretty sure. Oh, you would. If I had them, and twelve years old, like, can I go to the skate room? Well, you better clean your goddamn room. Like, what? you would, you would, because you yes, you see these able-bodied people in your house <laughs> laying around. Like, oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I am not gonna be looking at your mess and you out somewhere doing something. Yeah, you know? Right, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> but it's like even little stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You laughed at it. I laughed at it. Yeah, My friend right who away. sent it to me laughed at it. Yep. <laughs> and you always and think I- that it's just you though. Like you don't even realize that that's like a thing that like, you it's know. A thing. <laughs> And I bet you if I asked any one of the little white girls that I went to high school with, mm-hmm. they'd be like, what? What? No. <laughs> no, we, don't do, we didn't do that. I think you're and right. I, I was like, black parents are like some of the most creative people on this earth. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. We are. I don't know. It's like be. a handbook <laughs> you get when you have a baby. Like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. We have you to You guys be. are creative. Oh, Lord. So <laughs> that's so funny. I'm still laughing at that. Because <laughs> you can see, like, Big Mama or your mother with the yeah. hand on her head. Like, like oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the crazy part is now, it's what's trippy is being in that position to where I hear my own mother and my own grandmother and, like, the people in my family coming out of my mouth now. It's weird, you know? Uh-uh. <laughs> it's very weird. Like, oh, my gosh, I sound just like them. But, yeah, and, and you know, my mom was she was pretty laid back for the most part but like my grandmother had like the most incredible sayings on earth um and so like it was just like little stuff she'd be like um did you wash your clothes and you'd be like i am and she'd be like well am it and do it (laughs) and it was just like (laughs) just like little things and earlier Today, I was like, oh, my God, I want this, like, swimsuit so bad. Mm -hmm. And I heard her. Like, I heard her in my mind. Like, she would always say, put your wants in one hand and shit in the other and see which one gets filled the best. (laughs) I love her. I would love to have a conversation with her. She has hilarious. The best things. And I'm like, What? But but we needed that laughter. But um, I kind of wanted to like transition a bit Mm -hmm. and talk about like it's so much happening in the world. Yeah, like natural disasters and just you know the 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 silliness of crimes Mm -hmm. and that are happening in like our inner cities and this idiot that some of these people elected to the White House. Oh it's a lot. It's a lot going it's, on. It's just so much. And so I kind of always like the feel, like you always just have this zen, this calmness about mm-hmm. you. And so like, what do you do sometimes to like disconnect or like keep your, your peace with everything that's going on? You know, it's, um, I guess the number one thing that I would say that I do is I just, I recharge by myself and I just sneak away and find time to be alone. Um, One thing that really has been good about working from home now is that I am able to, like the kids go to school, they all go to school 
and the man goes to work. So I get time to <laughs> myself every day. And what I do with that time could vary. It could be writing. It could be just resting. I get so much joy now from like cleaning, which sounds so dry, but like I do, like, it's just like, can be very meditative, like just cleaning your space, organizing your space. Um, for me, like I'm kind of like really over the last few years been trying to embrace a more minimalistic lifestyle. So it's like cleaning is always like a refreshing thing for me because I can get rid of stuff. I always end up purging when I clean. And it's like a lightening feeling because all this stuff going on in the world makes you feel so heavy and it makes you feel like you, you're helpless, like you can't do anything to change it. So I guess for me, cleaning is like a way of doing something in the space that I have to, you know, create a lighter environment to uplift me. Same thing with like writing or listening to like music that puts me in a certain vibe. It's just like, okay, let me get creative. Like when I feel like the world is falling apart around me, I'm like, I need to get more, I need to get creative. I need to get inspired mm -hmm. because that's a way for me to redirect that sort of like sad or anxious energy into like, okay, let me make something with this instead, you know? So yeah. You know, that kind of thing can play out in any type of way. I've been trying to get more into, it's been pretty spread out, but I've been taking dance classes and trying to get yeah. back into that, but it's not regular yet. Like I want to be like on it like every week and really make it a big part of my life again, but I'm not there yet. But that kind of thing, just like, I feel like the, the best advice for that is to have a creative outlet, you know, because know. otherwise you're just going to sit there and spin your wheels and just be feeling really heavy with everything that's going on. And I also noticed too, like for me, like I'm always on social media, like mm -hmm. usually Monday through Thursday, really heavy, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I've week. been trying to at least do like on the weekend mm -hmm. where I'm not totally consumed and checking Twitter and checking Instagram. Um, every hour mm -hmm. as I would might do at work because I'm just like I can't answer another email so I'm gonna look at Instagram right um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like that's been helping me on the weekends at least to mm -hmm. kind of like disconnect a bit that's important but, yeah. yeah and I'm like what I like you said with your dance class is like not becoming regular like I want to do two things I started meditating good which it's just real like it was hard at first and so I've been using I started using like an app yep. that had like some guided meditations yep. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which helped um and so now I kind of have been trying to think of a spot in my house where I can make like a little meditation corner, a little corner. A little... <laughs> yes yeah. yeah you can decorate it and make it like yeah. all like vibed out <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to like think of that space. But the other thing like I want to do is yoga. Mm -hmm. I used to do it before and then just stopped because, you know, consistency is. That's the hard part, right? Issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. And so like after having, you know, abdominal surgery last year, my surgeon recommended like you should go to like build your core back up. And I did it and then I didn't do it. And now mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I really liked how I felt. <laughs> yeah after I would do it yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah trying to build that consistency is that's so the tough. hard part because it's like you know you're going to feel good after you do the thing but it's like we let other things in our lives get in the way or distract us from doing this thing that we know is going that we need and it's going to make us feel good you know yeah so that's my struggle with it but like the basic like you know idea of self-care is like the most important thing I think that's gotten me through, you know, it's been a, a heavy couple of years. Like even in my personal life, like my dad has been really sick, you know, and just walking, around, walking around with that every day. And, you know, I also have issues with my mom, you know, so, you know, as, as we all walk around this earth, like, you know, in our own little world, you never know what the person next to you is dealing with, you know, so... We, you know so if you don't have a way to comfort yourself you know you're just gonna it's it's da it's dangerous you know because I've definitely um had to make sure that I make a priority to and created boundaries you know and everybody doesn't always like it like I don't like to talk on the phone <laughs> I don't, you know I might take a while to answer texts and things like that but it's kind of what I need to do to stay sane you know yeah and 
<laughs> you know, you talk about talking on the phone. Well, thanks for talking with me tonight. <laughs> this is different. This is different. I'm talking about like, so I'll talk on the phone, but I'm like, d- don't like just call me out of nowhere and expect me to have like a two hour conversation. I'm like, oh, let's catch it. Like I'll text, I'll text a friend and be like, when, when's a good time for, you know, like when's a good time, you know, we haven't talked in a while or whatever. And I'll like almost schedule it basically because I know that like it, that just feels comfortable for me. Like then I don't have to worry about um, interrupting them or they're interrupting me when I've got, you know, having time with my family or whatever it is, or just having a moment to myself or whatever. Yeah. And there's no guilt. It's just like, let's set it up. <laughs> oh, I think that's what you said. No guilt. Yeah. Yeah. No guilt. I don't, I don't like that feeling guilty all the time that I just need, you know, that I'm protective of my time to myself. You know, I don't think we should have to feel guilty about that. We shouldn't have to feel guilty at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had someone recently tell me like, they know me, but they don't, they don't know me. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're like, you know, I kind of, when I had shared this with the world, because I think it was in episode 22 on season one of the podcast and um, I had talked, I had like an emotional breakdown on, on recording, <laughs> but someone had said to me like, oh my God, like, I didn't even know you were going through all that. Yeah. Like, I look at your life on Instagram and it just looked like, you just like, you're living your best life. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I am like, I can't complain about life, but you know, Sometimes it just gets to be too much and you just got to release for a second. I think so. Um, I think that's part of it. I think that there's no reason for us to pretend that it's not. Like everybody does that, right? Like everybody has moments where it just all feels like too much. And those moments don't always come at opportune times. So like if you happen to be on a podcast and and it comes out, then you, you had an authentic moment that I'm sure like touched a lot of people. So to me, it's just like, we just got to let ourselves like go through what we go through, you know, and it's all right. I have to let it out. Like like you said, it is okay. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just thought there was something. And she's like, you just look like you're living your best life. And I was like, well, I tried. (laughs) But I was like, maybe, you know, follow me on Snapchat. I think I do more of my authentic, not, you know, staged, edited, filtered life uh, (laughs) on Snapchat. But yeah. And everything on Instagram is slightly, I mean, everything on Instagram is, you know, pre-planned. I mean, you can have an authentic, sincere vibe and still everybody knows that like, you know, those pictures were planned and and put there to create a certain aesthetic or a certain vibe, you know, and that's what it is, you know, it's just, you just got to approach it as like, as that and, and be clear, like I'm clear, like, you know, this is a highlight. These, these these are curated moments that I'm sharing. Like, you know, it's not just like, oh, this this is not thought out beforehand because it would be exactly. much more random if it was. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, and I just quickly like kind of like scrolled through, and I'm like, this year was kind of whack. Like, and if she thinks that's my best life, <laughs> like, I always look vacation. happy. Right, because you used to be traveling the world a couple times a year. <laughs> I'm like, well, man, I was like this. I that's the thing. I feel like I haven't even been posting to Instagram because I'm like, I ain't done nothing. I have nothing. To but share. you know what that speaks to too. That speaks to how other people's perception of us is always so different than what we might think. You know, sometimes we get so hard on ourselves about that and we, you know, might think we have this negative perception sometimes. And then people out here thinking like, oh man, like, look at her. She's living her best life. And I just wish I could, you know, that you never know. You never know. Yeah. I'm like, girl, I was like, go listen to episode 22. Um, and that speaks to it too because I feel like around me because even in that episode like I spoke you know about how I just like picked up the phone and called a friend and you know they helped me through it and so I think it's just like it's it's something so powerful to have a network of people yeah that surround you who really just have your back mm-hmm. and they know that you'll have 
their back if you need it. Mm-hmm. That's so and important. Yeah, I think so many of us take that for granted because not everyone has that. Yeah, and I can't imagine not having that. Um, you know, and I can understand as you get older, it does seem like your circle sometimes gets smaller. And it just makes me appreciate the, the the support system that I have now that much more, you know, because yeah. so many people don't go, you just, they, they're there for a season or whatever. And then, you know, like I can remember college friends that I could never imagine I would not be tight with to this day, you know, mm-hmm. and we're not. So it just makes me appreciate like the close knit, like for some friends that I've had since like fourth grade, you know yes that are, are still my bestest of friends so um I don't know I don't I, that that breaks my heart just to even think about like not having that because we don't always even understand everything about each other anymore because as you get older you just kind of like get more in your own you know you get really settled into your ways and who you are and I just love how even when we don't get it we just show up to support anyway <laughs> you know like yeah <laughs> it's just it's just like that and it's just understood and that's just I don't take that for granted at all and I know you have like a lot of the same like from the whole time I've known you like I've seen the same core group of friends around you yes and you know I um I laughed because someone was like you are totally team no new friends and I'm like (laughs) that's not true but I do I call them my executive committee Mm -hmm. like um so like on my executive committee it's probably like six people mm-hmm. um because we all have the friend you call when you want the answer that you want for a situation right. so, <laughs> so right. i would say those six people mm-hmm. um yeah that's like a solid six that i know but then i can think of you know probably another 10 that if it was like times are rough and i'm like girl right. get over here or, they would, show up. they would show up no doubt about it mm-hmm. um yeah and they just like you said it just breaks my heart to think of people who you know when people say that like oh I'm so envious because you have mm-hmm. this or I always feel like I'm the one constantly giving to people and mm-hmm. no one's like doing the same for me and that's just so tough to hear mm-hmm. it really really is it really is and I think that um you know sometimes even as we, you know, have our different ways we think our life is going to go and we picture mm-hmm. ourselves like, you know, I can see how like that is a blow to be, you know, kind of going through these different phases and feeling like you don't have anybody to really share it with, like not even thinking about a companion or a partner or anything like that, but just like in terms of friendship, um, not having that those cheerleaders around you to to experience these things with you like that's. It's just, yeah. I, 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 what I hope though is, I don't know, I just feel like blessed to be kind of living through a time where I feel like sisterhood is just really like winning right now. Like, yes, you it's know, so celebrated. Yes, yes. Like, I'm just so thankful, you know, to be part of that, you know, and, and to see like visible changes and just like, you know, the open display of support and connection and all that. Um, that I didn't, it wasn't always like that, you know? It was not always like that. So I see, uh, I feel a shift. Yeah, it's like, you know, and especially this whole shift, and I hate saying this word because I automatically think of that stupid Gwyneth Paltrow company goop, mm-hmm. but like self-care, mm-hmm. it like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's the popular thing right now. Right, right. Um, and I just hate saying the word self-care. I know, so- <laughs> It's so co-opt, but it's the easiest way to say it. Oh my goodness! I swear to you, I was just talking to my friend about like I was like I'm trying. I need to, I need a new word for it because I'm so tired and so I'm like so it just feels it. so generic now that it's just like I don't even want to use the word. So because yeah, people are like self care, I'm gonna watch Netflix, and you're like what? <laughs> Like they're like a night of self care, Netflix and soda. Like no, <laughs> it's just gone too far now. Stop it! <laughs> so before we wrap up, I want um you to talk about you mentioned your books. Yeah. 
So if you could just talk about those for people. Sure. And then where they can buy them. Okay. <laughs> yep. So my first book, I have three books that are out right now. The first one um, is called The Beautiful Disruption. And that was really um, a semi-autobiographical story about really coming um, into your own and just going through a heartbreak that really makes you hit rock bottom and and see what it feels like to bounce back and to um, really turn and confront yourself. That's available on Amazon. Actually, all my books are available on Amazon. Um, The next one is called Wallflower. And I wrote that especially, that's a book of essays about um, being an introvert, being um, a quiet person who has a lot to say, who has a voice that they feel has been stifled just due to um, lack of confidence and feeling like no one wants to hear your voice because it's not the loudest of the bunch. That that book right there was really just my own process of finding my voice, like always having been the shy person and you know never wanting to be the center of attention, but knowing that I had something that I wanted to say say. Um, And then the last one is a workbook. So part of what I do is I provide women with tools to help them use writing, create their own writing practice to use Mm -hmm. writing as as part of their, um, you know, just transformation and just growing process. Um, You know, I, I love to write myself, but I also love to help other women get their words out and just, you know, really search themselves for what they want to do with their lives through writing. So this workbook is a book of just content, like inspiring content to just really help you tap into just a deeper level and also like writing exercises and word prompts and things like that. So all of these books, that's called Writing the Layers. And um, so all these books are available right now on Amazon, or you can also find out more about them on my website at allthemanylayers.com. Allthemanylayers.com. So where else can they find you on the interwebs? (laughs) Yeah. So all my um, Twitter, Instagram, and really that's all that matters for me is Twitter and Instagram (laughs) is um, at GG Renee writes, W-R-I-T-E-S, GG Renee writes. GG Renee writes. Yeah. Well, Gina, thank you so much for coming on the Booty Breakdown. Yeah, I had fun. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, that's it for another episode of the Booney Breakdown podcast. Again, I want to thank Gina of All the Mini Layers for coming on. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. You know, it was very insightful, and we also gave some good laughs. Again, guys, feel free to share the episode using the hashtags The Booney Breakdown, the hashtag pod in, P-O-D-I-N. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Booney Breakdown and follow us on Twitter at Booney Breakdown. So that's it for me. Until next time. Oh. 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 Oh.